Why don't you pray for us? Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you, God, for just a beautiful morning, and I thank you for Easter. Thank you that we can come together and celebrate um, the resurrection, the fulfillment of a promise. And um, I thank you that uh, we have the opportunity for eternal life. And so as we come together just to focus on you and hear your word, just as many others are doing across the world today, Father, I just pray that we would come with grateful hearts, with open minds, ready to receive from you. And Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity, for the freedom to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.
Romans 8, with God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger when the one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us? Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us.
Oh, my God. 
Father, we thank you for the cross. Father, we thank you that you willingly laid your life down for us. God, even though we were in complete rebellion towards you, you willingly gave your life up for us. But we thank you, God, that our message is just not the cross. Your word says that our message was just the cross. How foolish would that be? Our message is of the good news. That on the third day that you were, you were raised up from the dead, you have defeated sin and death. The resurrection. <coughs> that you are alive. And in that, Father, we have hope to be born again for those who would believe and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Born again of a new nature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. But your word says, God, that you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. That you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. That we may be your ambassadors on this earth. Serving and loving as you served and as you loved. Doing your will, not our own. So Father, we thank you as we celebrate your resurrection this morning. And I pray it just wouldn't be one day out of the year, but that daily we would reflect on the fact that you are alive. Yes, Amen. That you are seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes. And that, Father, you are returning. Yes. That there is work to be done. That the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. <laughs> and so God, call us out from our complacency. Call us out from our religious mindset. God, begin to burden us, Lord, for the lost, for the harvest. We know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We know that we do not go in and of our own strength, but as we depend upon you, Lord, that your will be done, that others would come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and happy Easter to everyone. We're breaking away from our series of walking through the Bible this morning. And so we're heading to John chapter 14. And as you're heading there, <coughs> it's Easter. There's reason to celebrate today. The good news. Jesus has risen. He is alive. And those who have accepted him as Lord and Savior have this truth in their heart and in their lives. And we carry it not in and of ourselves, but so that others will know that our Savior has accomplished what he has purposed. 
And as we've been studying through the Bible, we're getting a clear understanding of God's plan from the beginning, even before the earth or the worlds were formed. Redemption. We've talked about this numerous times. This is the greatest love story. No one can write this. No man could even conceive it. Only God. Only God. Only God. We begin to lay out this plan of redemption. That no greater love will ever be displayed than one willingly laying down his life for others. As Jesus did for us. And that's what he calls us to do. For him to lay down our life, to lay down the old rebellious ways, to lay down the selfishness, the life that is so consumed with destruction, to lay it down for his sake. And in laying it down, we receive his life. What he purchased, what he accomplished through his resurrection that we now can live. You see, as Christians, our lives are to reveal his resurrection day in and day out of our lives. Day in and day out. To testify to the world that our God is alive, that he is risen indeed, that he's still not on the cross and he's still not in the tomb, but that he is risen. God's plan all along, as we have been learning and understanding, is to have a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. That they would live for him, that they would obey him. That they would honor him. And all that they say and do. A life of obedience, you all. We must be very careful, as we're warned throughout the New Testament, of the false teaching that would creep into the church to water down his message of truth. The teaching that teaches you and tells you it's okay to remain as you were and still call you his child. The teaching that allows you to exalt your flesh above his throne. That God understands. That God is okay with where you're at and what you're doing. You listen. Jesus came because he knew our condition. God's plan of redemption was set in place because he knew what our condition would be like. That we would be sinners. That we will be born in a nature that is completely rebellious towards him. A nature that will not do his will. A nature that will only do its will. A nature... Yet, though, we'll understand that they are fallen and and, and, and will design uh, uh, and worship what it's created to be their God. It's funny how mankind, when we're lost, will seek after anything to put our hope in. We create our own gods. We create our own revelations and understanding just to find some sense of peace. Isn't it interesting that every man and every woman that is born has that desire within them? It was a desire not created in and of ourselves, but God placed that within us. 
that desire to know that there is a God. A God that we not create in our own image, but a God that is the creator. That we ought to worship. A God that willingly laid his life down for us. He sent his son to take upon the wrath that we deserve as people who are in rebellion towards his kingdom. We must be careful to, 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 to really give mind and, and an understanding to what we think the gospel is. The gospel is not about us. The gospel is about Jesus. The one who came to set us free. Are you free today? Because you ought to be. Jesus says it's the truth that sets you free. Jesus says it's the Son that sets us free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. No longer to be lived out of the old man, but out of this new creation. Do you give thought to that? Or have you been swayed by the false teaching? The enemy comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Have you sold your birthright? just for a temporal satisfaction in that moment of a desire. See, we've got, to be, we've got to stop being so easily entangled with sin. The Bible says we're to throw it off. But how many of us give sin more power over us than the resurrection of our Christ, of our Lord? If his message is not one of freedom, if his message is not one of, of, of newness of life, then what is it? Then what is it? We can't blame everyone else. We can't even blame our past or, or even our present circumstances. No, the blame is only upon yourself. You either believe or you don't. There's no here, no there. Jesus himself said he would rather you be cold or hot, but not lukewarm. Because he will spit that out of his mouth, your lukewarmness. See, the reality is, it's he is alive. And that's how we ought to start living as such. In present understanding that he is alive, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one who was spoken of, the one who from the beginning of time was planned and purposed to go to the cross. Not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody's going to choose Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus knew this. In fact, we've talked about that lately. The road, the path to life is narrow. Not many people are searching for it. The road, the path to destruction is wide. Everyone's on it. We've talked about it as well. Isn't it interesting? To do bad, you really give no thought. It comes natural to us. But to do good, to do right, to obey, we wrestle with that. Think about that. In your own day-to-day -day lives and where you're at, to do bad, it just comes natural. You just do it. But to do good, to do right, to obey, you have to give thought to that. And in that thought, you have to put it into practice. You have to put action to that thought in order not to go your way, but to do good. See, 
you're to grow, you're to mature as a Christian. It's not about Christian perfectionism. It's not about being perfect. It's just being real. In your day-to-day lives, in your day-to-day struggle, either he's Lord or he's not. If he's Lord, then submit to him. Submit to the Holy Spirit, the one in whom he has given us, to, to, to counsel us, to teach us, to equip us, to live this life. To honor God. To trust him. To know him. To walk with him. That when he brings conviction to our hearts, that that we're willingly surrendering to him. That we're not still in rebellion towards him, but that we willingly surrender. We have to get beyond, as the church, again, allowing sin to be what dominates us. Romans says that, in Romans 6, it says, sin shall no longer be your master. Because through his resurrection, you all, sin is defeated. Can we get that in our heads today? Can we get that in our hearts today? That that which you, in which you still give power over your life is actually defeated. The only power it has is because you keep going to it. If you turn from it, it will not have power over you. It would not have power over you. The bad attitudes, whatever it is that's trying to entangle itself up with you. That keeps reminding you of who you once were. You need to start reminding it of who you are now. And that it has been defeated. The same as the enemy. The same as the enticements of the world. All of that has been broken off of you through his resurrection. Through the hope that we have in Christ. That if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. And we ought to be living as those who have been set free. How crazy is it to claim him as Lord and keep living for ourselves? How crazy is it to say that we believe in a risen Savior, the one who went to the cross for us, the Messiah, Jesus. He rose up on the third day, defeated sin and death, and yet he can't do nothing in my life because I'm still a miserable wreck. And I keep going back to my old ways, to my old vomit, lapping it up. Others are looking at whom we're testifying about. We're claiming him, and yet we're denying him in the same breath. See, we got to get up beyond that, and we got to get up beyond beating ourselves up, making it all about us. Oh, I just can't do right. No, you never will. But in Christ, you can. Because he has given us the victory. He has given us what we need to live. You fall down, you get entangled, throw the sin off and repent and get up and keep moving. You are a work in progress. Let others see your failure, but don't let them see your failures have you. Get up from it. Let them see how God restores and heals. A God who is alive, present, and active in your life. Because if you aren't honoring him, why do you think others should? It always fascinates me. 
We're so quick to tell others about Jesus and how they should be living. We're so quick to tell our kids and our grandkids how they should be living, and yet they don't see it in us. What kind of God are we giving them? If they're not seeing the trueness and the genuineness of who Christ is in our lives and what he has done in our life through the power of his resurrection, through the hope that is in Christ, and again, it's not about a message to keep you enslaved to condemnation because remember, whenever you are standing condemned is because you're looking at self. See, Jesus and the Holy Spirit brings conviction. And that conviction, that, that leads you to repentance, which is a gift. You know that God is working in your life. You know that God is working in your life. And you ought to respond to it. I love the fact that what we're going to read today is the hours before Jesus was arrested. Before his crucifixion and before the resurrection, he spent time with his disciples, teaching them, teaching them. And I pray that today, that as we hear the words of Jesus today, these are his words that we're reading through. That we would be encouraged. That our hope would be kind of flamed up within us to remind us of who he is and how he calls us to live. You see, he's looking for those who are obedient. Those who will obey. Because again, the whole purpose is so that his love will be manifested throughout the earth. <clears throat> that men and women will be drawn to him because his love is being displayed. In, even from the beginning within the Old Testament, it's already established that his love endures forever. It is his love that, that keeps us from his wrath if we would receive his love. I've, I've challenged you all before, why would you choose his wrath over his love? It doesn't make sense. But to live a life in obedience unto the Lord, a life that, that is seeking after him, a life that is honoring him, that is a life that truly shines forth his love. Jesus' words, John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. You're going to hear certain points today as we're going through Scripture on, on application. Like you're not just being a hearer of the Word. You have to be a doer of the Word. Just hearing the Word does not transform you. The Bible says He transforms us by renewing our minds. By taking his word, believing in it, and allowing his word as the Holy Spirit is teaching us to bring forth the newness of life. That we will no longer be slaves to sin, that we will no longer be people who do not trust in God, but that now we will be a people who will not let our hearts be troubled, but that will trust in God. <coughs> he says, and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? 
When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Jesus' words, he's talking to his disciples. His disciples not, did not yet have an understanding of truly who Jesus was. They had, a, they had their own understanding. He's going to overthrow Rome. He's going to free us from our physical oppression. We're in this, Jesus. We're in it for you. We've seen how you teach. We've seen how you do miracles. We've seen the miraculous as we've been with you. Yes, Jesus, we're for you. We're for you. But they really didn't have a clue who Jesus was. And here Jesus is telling them. Verse 5. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you really known me, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Wow. Have we been around church all this time and we still don't know who he is? Have we heard about him over and over and over? How many Easter Sundays have we shown up to? How many church services have we shown up to? How many times have we had fellowship with other believers? And yet we still don't know who he is. Jesus was among them. And they still didn't get it. Anyone, he says, who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? <clears throat> the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Look at this, verse 11. Here's another action point for your life. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Believe. Believe. Have faith. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And did you see the key understanding of asking in his name so that it would bring glory to his father? It's not about your life and making it all about you and God, gimme, 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 because I'm saying it in Jesus' name. No, the will is for his will to be done. To bring the father glory. That's how Jesus lived. And those who follow Jesus, who believe in Jesus, that's how they live. To bring the Father glory and honor. Verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. <clears throat> Another action point for you to make note of. Do you love him? 
and it will show in your obedience. If you are more disobedient than you are obedient, you don't love him. That's the reality. And you need to repent. You need to turn to him. You need to seek him and he will be found if you seek him with your whole heart. He says here, if you love me, obey my commandments. In and of yourself, you will not obey. The old nature, the old rebellious one will never obey. If your life is entangled in disobedience, living for how you want, doing whatever you want, how you want, when you want, who you want, God have mercy. God have mercy. Because those who endure his wrath are those who are disobedient, who live a lifestyle of disobedience. A life that does not honor God. And so reality is if that is your life, if that is the fruit that is being produced from your life, then it's time to turn to God and to repent. To live a life that will honor Him and obey Him. And it's not a forced obedience. No, it's a willingly, you just willingly surrender your life. You've seen the price that has been paid. Your eyes have been opened to the truth of who God is. And you willingly lay your life down. Obedience is not forced. Submission is not forced. God is not going to force you to obey. God is not going to force you to honor Him. God is not going to continue to, to, to reveal Himself to you and allow you to remain in disobedience. No, God has called us to love Him, to obey Him. To honor him. To seek him. Jesus says here, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. The world will not receive the truth of God's word. The world, those who are lost, will not have an understanding of the things of God. Before I came to Christ, I didn't have an understanding of God. All I had was my desires, my wants, my needs. To live for me and myself and my, myself only. I didn't care about anyone else. I was just doing me. Living how I wanted. I didn't, wasn't seeking after holiness. I wasn't seeking after God. Oh, I showed up for church every now and then, but that was all it was. It was still seeking of myself. It wasn't honoring God. The Bible's very clear. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not everyone is seeking after me. Listen, we're all born in that rebellion, that nature that is in rebellion towards God, that nature that is not even looking for God. reveals himself to us through his son Jesus. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus, you all. He understands that condition. He knows that condition. He knows the heart attitude that we have, and yet he still loves us. The Bible says, yet though we were in complete rebellion towards him, he still loved us. The Bible says that he begins this work in us. You didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I'll follow Jesus today. No, that's not how it works. 
No, God is pleased to reveal himself to you. It's God who, who by his Holy Spirit begins to draw you to himself. It's God that chases us day in and day out, revealing himself time and time and time and time and time and time again. He has saved us over and over and over and over. There's some of us in this room that should be dead. I should be dead. I should be in the grave. But God spared my life. I don't testify of a living God because that's what I choose to do. No, I willingly surrendered my life to him years ago and said, God, you're God. I couldn't make this up. But God is pleased to reveal himself to you. God is pleased through his Holy Spirit to, to draw you to himself. Because at the end of the days, all of us are going to have to face death. And at the end of the days, when you stand before him, he is just and he is faithful. He has done all he needed to do throughout your lifespan to make himself known to you. Either you've accepted him or you haven't. But when you stand before him, when the day comes for each of us, that breath is taken from us, and you stand before the living God, what are you going to say? Because he's done everything he needs to do to reveal himself to you. You can choose either to surrender or you can choose to remain rebellious towards him. Remember, he's not going to force you. Because it's that willingly surrendered life that reflects his love. That reveals his love to mankind. To willingly lay your life down in order to live his life. The Bible says here, that he is going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will lead us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. These are Jesus' words. And we're looking at the hours before Jesus' arrest and his crucifixion. He's sitting down with his disciples and he's giving them an understanding. Remember, these men did not have an understanding truly of who Jesus was. They were hoping Jesus would be their savior. That he would release them and free them from the oppression from the Romans. They had no clue of the eternal understanding of what and who he was and what he was doing. And he's making it known to them. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. Listen, no one is going to ever love you like Jesus. Like Jesus. Listen, I spent the majority of my life seeking to be loved. By anything and everyone. Giving myself and, and, and taking everything I could just to be accepted. But it wasn't until the day I was on that couch ready to take my life and God spoke to my heart. I hated Jesus. I hated Christians. I hated church. But the day that I was at the end of myself, strung out on drugs, crazy in my head, bound by perversion, doing anything and everything, had so much hate in my heart. Those words spoke so clearly that day as those pills were going to my mouth. Today you'll live. Who makes this up? Who makes that up? Today you will live. Jesus. 
The resurrected one. No longer on the cross, no longer in the tomb. He's resurrected. He's alive. He speaks in our moments a desperation to draw us to himself. Listen, I know for a fact that he has spoken to each one of us in this room somehow, some way. You're either listening or you're choosing to keep denying him, to go your way. But listen, y'all, this is just a temporal life. You're here for one moment and gone the next. You weren't created for the temporalness of this life. You were created for eternity. And listen, it's not about religion. It is not about doing the good things and doing the good works and trying to keep the law and trying to live as man says. Because religion will always keep you enslaved to self. You trying to do it. You trying to be right. You trying to be good. I can't be good. I can't be right. But a relationship with the risen Savior? I can live right and I can do good. Because He is giving me the strength to do it. My dependence is not on myself. My dependence is upon Him. And again, as I said earlier, it's not about being perfect. Because as you grow and as you mature as a Christian, your life will begin to change. You're not trying to meet man's standards. No, you're just honoring God. You're just trusting God. You're allowing Him to be God. You're allowing Him to have His rightful place in your life. A place of honor, of respect. Because God is just and faithful. He is the one who is bringing this about in you. Again, you couldn't have begun this. Only He can start this. And so in that knowledge, we have to depend upon Him. And that's why He's giving them an understanding that He's leaving when He goes away, that He will send forth the Holy Spirit, the Advocate. He goes on in verse 19 here. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Wait a minute, Jesus. What are you talking about? Remember, this was before his crucifixion. This was before his resurrection. He's talking to them. He's giving them an understanding. They think they're going to overthrow Rome. What is Jesus talking about here? Dying. What is he saying here? He says here, when I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those, verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him, but the other disciple with the name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. When I, what I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative... 
That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. Hear this, y'all. I am leaving you with a gift. A peace of mind and a peace of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Peace of mind and peace of heart. You will never find it in the world. Search as long as you want. Do whatever you feel you need to do to sow your oats. You will never find the peace that God has for you in Christ Jesus. And I want you to hear about this word peace. The, the definition of this word peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It's a wholeness of body, soul, and mind. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. From a man that was so broken. To be able to stand before you and have such peace today. Only God can do that. Are you experiencing that peace? Because you can. You can. It's available to all who would believe and call upon the name of the Lord. All who would believe. See, we're either living out of peace or we're living out of brokenness. That's your two choices in life. Out of the flesh or out of the spirit. See, when you're born... You're born with that inclination, that, that sin-driven, deep desire to go your way. But when you're born again, those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, they are born again. They are of a new creation. Just as much effort as you put in to doing wrong, you have to put the same amount of effort in to doing right. Remember what I said earlier? How crazy it is. To do wrong, we really give no fault to. It just comes natural to us. But to do right, you really wrestle with yourself. What are others going to say? What are others going to do? This is going to look weird. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't look comfortable. I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. But if you would just get thought and do it, as the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do what is right, that will become your new nature. That's why people ought to look at our lives and say, there's something different about you. You used to be this way. That's why in the Word of God, when you open it up, it says, if you used to steal, be a thief no longer. Work hard. And in working hard, give to others. If you used to have a, a foul mouth, <laughs> clean up your speech and don't speak that way any longer. See, your lives are to reflect the resurrected King, the Savior in whom you say that you give, you're giving yourself to. The truth of God's word, you all. Either he's a liar or he is the truth. The truth. To do what is right. To honor him. The Bible says he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. We are without excuse. If you're finding yourself enslaved to sin today... If you're a Christian, the Bible says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Throw it off and get up and keep pursuing Christ. If you've never accepted Christ and you find yourself just enslaved to your own passions, to your own desire, to your own brokenness, then I don't know what you're waiting for. Because that path is not going to get any easier. But I can tell you this. 
coming to Christ, willingly laying your life down, such peace is given. Because this is what Jesus promises. Peace. Peace of heart, peace of mind. Listen, I can get up every day, you can get up every day, and you can choose to live out of brokenness if you so choose to. The only thing that the flesh knows how to do is to die. The flesh only knows how to die. So that's why working in disobedience, working towards the things of the flesh, only leads us to destruction, because it's all that we know to do. But when you live by the Spirit, when you allow the Holy Spirit, His rightful place in your life to be your counselor, to be your guide, to be your teacher, when you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life, you begin to walk differently, you begin to talk differently, you begin to live differently. And you begin to honor Him. And there's a wholeness, and it leads to life, not to destruction. See, you're either living by the flesh or you're living by the Spirit. There's no other choices. But why would you continue to live by the flesh when Jesus himself is being revealed to you? The Bible says it's best that you've never known or to ever have heard than to have heard and done nothing with it. Jesus himself is saying to his disciples, this is the gift in which I'm giving you. Peace. Peace. Peace of heart. Peace of mind. Wholeness. Wholeness. Listen, we've all done wrong. We've all made choices that we shouldn't have made. But praise be to God that He's a God who forgives. He's a God that restores. He's a God that makes new. This is the hope that we have in Christ. He goes on here and He says, Remember what I told you, I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I'm telling you these things. It may not make sense now, but I'm telling you these things so that when they do happen, he says, you will believe. I don't have much time to talk to you because the ruler of this world is approaching he has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. He goes on and says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by my message I have given you. Listen to this. Here's another action point for us today. He says here, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will, will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing. He is the vine, we are the branches. Remember, as Christians, work hard to produce fruit. Fruit in our lives. Your life should be marked for Christ if you so have accepted Him, if you believe in Him. Listen, there's a lot of good people in the world. That doesn't make them Christians. <clears throat> there's a lot of good moral people who do the right thing in this world. That doesn't make them Christians. 
you know if you are. No man can, can tell, you know, because there's a lot of good religious folks sitting up in church who are so far from God. They can quote every scripture, pray every prayer, do everything right, and still be so far away from God. Listen, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious men of the time of Jesus, they were well scholar. They knew everything about God. And yet they held God's people down. They kept God's people from God because of the rules, because of their laws, because they made it about them. They, be, they became so puffed up in their knowledge of God, and they, they thought they knew God, but yet they did not know God. And Jesus himself said, your father is the devil when he speaks to them. Jesus. He's the one that brings forth the fruit in our lives. But we have to abide in him. We have to remain in him. I know we like to do a one-shot prayer and poof, you're saved. I know that's popular today. But find that in here. Remember what I warned you about earlier. Careful of the false teachings that are creeping in the church. Even back in Jesus' day, and even after his resurrection, even after the birth of the church, do you know the number one message that was being preached to the church? Beware of the false prophets. Beware of those who will try to come into the church and twist the teaching. Beware of those who will strip Jesus of his power. Beware. Whenever you hear the gospel being preached and it's giving you the right to sell, you better run from it. Because Jesus understands that his disciples have the understanding that they've already denied themselves, they've already picked up their cross, and they're following him. I'm not living for myself any longer. You as a Christian shouldn't be living for yourself any longer. If you're finding yourself just tripping and falling and tripping and falling and struggling in your Christian walk, it's because you're not abiding in him. You're not remaining in him. Run to him. Get before him, day in and day out. It's a, it's a walk, it's a path. Listen, we're not perfected until we are with him, but until then, we're to walk it out. Could you imagine if the world really began to see Christians live as Christians should? Not perfect, but loving, serving, thinking of others before we think of ourselves, doing what the kingdom is about, and yet somehow we've made it all about us. Isn't it interesting in the Western culture, in the church, we have every translation of Bible. You could pick any type of conference to go to to get pumped up. And yet we're the most ignorant. We're the most ignorant. Because we're so consumed with self. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You have to abide in me. You have to remain in me, Jesus, the resurrected one, the one in whom we're here today to celebrate. He's God. And he's talking to his disciples. And these words have been captured for us today to be able to be encouraged, to remain in him. We will bear much fruit, but apart from him, we can do nothing. He goes on here. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. 
But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you will, are then my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Remember, the Christian life is a life that Christ led, lived. And he lived a life that brought glory to the Father. That's how we're to be living, bringing glory to the Father. Listen, we're not to twist Jesus' words and just start asking for whatever we want and thinking that God is going to just do because we ask. No, it has to line up with his will. It has to bring glory to him. We have to have this understanding. I want to go and close in, verse, in chapter 17. And as you're turning there, Jesus continues through chapter 15 and chapter 16, giving his disciples an understanding. Especially an understanding of the times that would come. That people are going to hate you. Because you believe in me. Because you are my follower. You will be hated. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But he tells them, be of good cheer. Wow. Jesus. Wait a minute, what? You just told me I'm going to be thrown out of the synagogue. You just told me that my life is going to be turned upside down. And you're telling me to be of good cheer? Yes. Why can he say that? Because remember what he said earlier? This gift that he gives us? Peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Your life is not of this earth any longer. You have been engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You know, you know as much of God as you want to. He's not holding anything back from you. The Bible says if you will seek after him with your whole heart, he will be found. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us everything we need. He's equipping these guys before his arrest. He's telling them what's to come. So when it comes, don't be surprised. Just believe. I'm telling you all of this in advance. I find great comfort in chapter 17 of the book of John. It's Jesus' prayer is what I want to end with today. These are Jesus' words. It says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. The hour for him to be arrested, to be flogged, to be beaten. He was beaten to the point that he was not even recognizable. Flesh was ripped from his body. He was mocked at, he was spit upon, and he willingly laid himself down on the cross to be nailed to it. No greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. I don't know what you've heard about Jesus, but I hope that you get an understanding of really who he is. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Why? because we've heard it as what was being read today. He did the will of the Father. Remember what I said to you earlier? Even the Bible says, even before the earth and the world was formed, God's plan of redemption was in place. The cross was already purposed. Jesus knew what he came to do. Redemption, the greatest love story. Again, man's mind cannot even conceive of this. But God, had purposed it. Jesus to die. A criminal's death 
so that the created beings of the human mankind could have an opportunity to live with God, to be reconciled back to God. See, what Adam and Eve did in the beginning, the fall, separated us from God. But through Jesus, all men and women have an opportunity to be reconciled back to God because he willingly laid his life down. The hour is approaching. Jesus goes on. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Jesus is still speaking. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They are always yours. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came, that it came from you, that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Jesus, you all. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus, you all. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I had given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Truth, you all. By his word. And did you capture what he said there? Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. There's work to be done as Christians. And then in verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I like that verse. It stood out to me years ago when I read it. It's like, wow, Jesus prayed for me. Jesus prayed for you. He's our great intercessor. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me. Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me 
so they be so they will be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you have loved me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and will come and continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Jesus' words, you all. The resurrected one. These are words that were spoken right before he was arrested. He was given his disciples an understanding of the things to come. We on the other side of it know what came. And yet though we can look at the cross and we can see his suffering and we know what he endured for us. I praise God that our message is just not the cross. The Bible says if all we had was the cross, if that was our message, then what hope is there? If our message was just that Jesus died and then he was buried, what hope is there? See, the hope that we have is that on the third day he was resurrected. And everything that he spoke, his disciples then began to believe because this is what he said would happen. Isn't it interesting, the same men who fled from the scene when he was arrested, the same men that kind of wandered off and kind of just scattered and went back to their lives, are the same men that showed up when Jesus began to reveal himself after his resurrection. He was revealing himself. He was showing them, I am alive. I am alive. The same men changed the world because they believed, because they saw with their own eyes that he was risen indeed. It's the same men that he, he took right before he ascended into heaven and he pronounced to them, go. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. Teach others to obey all that God has commanded. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go into all the world. Tell of the good news. Listen, not everybody is coming to Jesus, you all. Like I said earlier, the Bible already says, the road unto righteousness, the path unto righteousness is narrow. Only a few will find it. The road to destruction is wide. I pray that you would not be on that road to destruction when God has been pleased to reveal to you His Son Jesus, the resurrected one, the one who has defeated sin and death, the one who empowers us with His Holy Spirit to live a right life, a righteous life, Remember, we're no longer to be a slave to sin. As in Romans 6, it talks about, for now we are slaves to righteousness. We have yoked ourselves to Christ. We are remaining in Him. We are abiding in Him. So wherever you find yourself today, 
rather you're struggling with your faith and your belief in Christ, rather you, just, you don't even believe, you're just here because you're here, rather you're a Christian, you're on fire for God and you're seeking Him, wherever you find yourself today, I just pray that as I close with these songs of worship, that you would just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. That you would respond as you know that you need to. Listen, I can't draw you to Christ. No one sitting around you can draw you to Christ. Only God can do that. It's the Holy Spirit that prompts you to come closer to Him. And listen, don't use the excuse a lot of us use. Oh, I'll wait till I make my life better or I clean myself up. <laughs> you never will. <laughs> you never can. Because in and of yourself, all you know is the flesh. See, that's the time to come to Christ. <clears throat> that's that willingly surrendered life that says, I can't do it, God, but you can through Jesus. I lay my life down. I'm putting my trust and my hope and my faith into the resurrected Son of God. That through Him, I will be born again of a new nature. To live a life that will honor you, Lord. That would bring glory and honor to the Father. If you choose to go your way today, if you choose the path of, of disobedience, a path of, of rejecting Christ, listen, that's your choice. You have a right to make it. But just know this. God has not given up on you. He will continue to pursue you. But listen, time's ticking. Because <laughs> once you take your last breath, that's it. What you did with Jesus on this earth, rather you accepted him or rejected him, is how you stand before God. Either covered by his blood, redeemed, or one who is still in rebellion towards him and will have to suffer his wrath for eternity. It's your choice. But God has pleased you all to reveal himself through his resurrected son. And for that, I give him thanks. Respond how you need to respond. I'm going to play these last two songs and then I'll close us in prayer.